Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. This morning, just indulge me a little bit as, as we look again at this magnificent gospel that we've been called to share with the world. I really believe with all my heart that the answer to the world's predicament is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I really believe it. I believe if everyone on this planet had a revelation of who Jesus is and received his gift of his Holy Spirit, we would live on a completely different planet where there'd be more than enough for everyone, where people would share. People still make mistakes. People still need help and counseling. So the pastors won't be completely without a job. But while we're on this earth, if everyone was a born-again Christian serving God, you can imagine how much abundance there is. When the government talks about 32 billion waiting to be used, but it can't be because of corruption and deceit and, and mismanagement. Imagine if we didn't have those problems the world over. One country like, like even Russia could feed the world. There's so much provision. Never mind the other big economies. It's all that to say that the gospel really is the answer. And we have this life to live. In heaven we can't preach the gospel. But now we can. Amen. And I'm so glad that nine years back there came a clarity to that message. Where we were maybe mixing Old Testament covenant ideas with New Testament covenant ideas and mixing that up where it often made us feel disqualified, debilitated, insecure. There came a clarion call, a clear call to separate the covenants where we can walk in the finished work of what Jesus did and we can live and we can look in the mirror and say, as He is so am I in this world, a miracle. He was made to be sin that we could be made the righteousness of God. And it's a message that needs to soak and percolate and transform us to where we're walking guilt-free, uh, uh, condemnation-free, uh, in authority to know that the words that come out of our mouth carry the authority that Jesus said they do, not based on our performance, but on His performance. And when we mess up, we know we go and speak to the Father about it and say that was a dumb thing to do. I nearly said dumbass thing to do, but that's because I want, that was a stupid thing to do. But Lord, I, in fact, that was just a dumbass thing to do right there. Lord, uh, you know, and we get on, but we don't live full of guilt and shame and condemnation and, oh, come on, what a glorious message. And you'll, you'll bear testimony with me. Huh? We use that illustration about, and I'm going to just change it a little bit for the sake of what I want to share this morning, where, where you had those, that, that ship crash up on the rocks and the, the survivors with their treasure carrying on to the beach, but they had no food. And then came this tribe to them and said, Follow us. Food is for free. We love you so much. Welcome, dear brothers and sisters. The food is free. And they held up fresh uh, McDonald's and Steers burgers and, 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 and all the health foods they had on the island. And they, they took them into this enclosed uh, camp. And as they got in, the doors locked. And they said, Now you're going to pay for the rest of your life. And it's almost like that was the kind of gospel many of us felt we got tricked into. 
It was this loving God. It was this great forgiveness. It was this come to Jesus and get peace and joy and happiness. And then when we got him, we just felt after one year, God was more upset, more disappointed, more angry with us than he was when before we got saved. And as we heard over the weekend, this phrase really resonated in my heart. We preached grace to the lost, and we preached a mixture of grace and law to the church. And thank God for the teachings of grace that have come to lift that off us. And in our excitement and in our enthusiasm, and we needed that correction, but sometimes... As believers now, because we're so convinced about the goodness of God, and we should be because He is, and He hasn't changed. But because He's so good, the Bible says, He doesn't want anyone to be lost. That's His goodness in action. Even in the old covenant, He gave them the law, not because He was angry with them, but because He loved them. But they thought the law could save them and got it all mixed up. And we come into the new covenant and even got it more mixed up. And Paul has to keep on writing to correct this error. But in our excitement and exuberance, let me, let me reframe the story that I just gave about the ship that crashes up on the rocks. How it should go is more like this. When the island people come to the seashore and meet these survivors who've been washed up, but God carrying all the treasure chests, they, they say to them, you can't bring that treasure with you. You have to leave it here. You're already as good as dead, and if you stay here, you're going to die of starvation. There's no drinking water. You need to follow us because we have a place to take you. But it means you're going to have to leave everything, strip off all your heavy stuff, take your treasures off, put them down. Now you can imagine amongst the, the pirates or amongst that community now, the suspicion and the, yeah, right, yes, yeah, yeah, just yeah. leave our treasures. Never. I'd rather die of starvation and die of malnutrition than lose my treasures. And the island folks say, no, no, come with us. Come with us. Where we're going, it's free. The food's free. The drinks are free. The, the nourishment is free. You'll be, you'll be safe. And those that followed came into this big enclosure. And in this enclosure, the door's locked. And everybody said, here, the food is free. Here, you're safe. Here, we will take care of you. Yes, there's wolves and ravenous animals out there beyond the fence, and we've got to extend our territory. So don't think you're just here on an early retirement. There's a work to do in extending our territory, but here you are safe, and here you have no fear. We need to re-examine how we speak to the people that got washed up on the shore. And that's my illustration to illustrate some of the scriptures we looked at over this weekend. And I'd like you to read with me. What does the Bible say about the lost state of mankind? First of all, it says that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth 
by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, eternal power, divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what he has made. So men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. In Romans 2, 4, it says, Don't show contempt for the riches of His kindness, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance. Now we can, and I've even been at fault in only emphasizing one aspect of that verse and saying we only have to talk about God's goodness for people to repent. But that scripture is not really saying that. It's saying because God is so good, he's made a way of repentance because men are lost and in sin and spiritually dead. There's only two races on this planet. Under the old covenant, they called them Jews and Gentiles. Under the new covenant, they're believers or unbelievers. The one have come into life and the one remain in their death. And because of God's goodness, he doesn't want people to remain in their death. But can you move from death to life without repenting? Can you have repentance without being convicted that you're dead and lost in your sin? On the day of Pentecost, that's exactly what happened when Peter preached. And thousands of people were cut to their heart and said, what should we do? And Peter said, to save yourself from this wicked, corrupt generation, repent. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart... To, talking to people who are dead now, people that have been washed up from the ship onto the island, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourselves for the day of God's wrath when His righteous judgment will be revealed. Now there's a verse a lot of grace people don't like. But here's the thing. It's not referring to those in the camp called the born again. It's referring to those that are dead already because they are, have no food, have no water, spiritually cut off, prone to wild animal attack with no defenses. The Bible calls them dead already, as you'll see more. God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good, seek glory on immortality, he will give eternal life. Who received eternal life when they put their faith and believe in Jesus? I thought I'd see more than six hands, but I've got a big altar call here today. Who got eternal life when they put their faith in Jesus? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Amen? But for those who are self-seeking and who reject, say reject. It's for those who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger because that's where they already are. You understand that? God didn't change. We think, uh, you, you know, God suddenly, you know, stepped out of being a Christian, being, you know. God's always the same. His justice and mercy meet perfectly in one personality. To the dead people, his goodness says, don't stay dead. Come out. In Romans 3, as it's written, there's no one righteous, not even one. No one who understands, no one who seeks God. 
So that blows out the water while all religions lead to the same. No, no, there's no one who's seeking God. Seeking their own, out of fear, their own immortality. All have turned away. They have got to, together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. And Paul giving his testimony about when he encountered Jesus face to face. This is new covenant. Say new covenant. And this is Jesus talking after the cross. When we fell to the ground, I heard a voice. This is Jesus speaking to me in Aramaic. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goats. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus who you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will, number one, rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. He needed rescue. I'm sending you to them. Number one, to open the eyes. Say open eyes. It means people are blind. Turn them from darkness. It means they're in darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God. So that they may receive. Oh, but I thought everybody was already forgiven. And they just got to manifest somewhere. No, you're forgiven when you receive forgiveness. Jesus died for every sin when he died, past, present, and future. But we enter into that forgiveness when we receive the free gift of forgiveness. For those who haven't, they remain outside the camp, on the beach shore, shore prone to attack of every evil kind. An ultimate staying dead. Your dress, when you die, will be your eternal habitation. That's what he's teaching. Galatians 3 verse 22, it says, the scripture, say the scripture. We spent a whole month, we've just come through the scripture. Jesus believed, the apostles believed the scripture. Those who, Old Testament prophets, the scriptures declare that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. So that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe now, before this faith came, we were on, washed up on the shore, prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. You see, by pointing out to these people the consequences of their rejection, is not putting a heavy on them. It's telling them the truth. God said, in his commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, because he was trying to save you from your wife killing you when she finds out. He was saving you from stealing because he saw what corruption would do in the world. He was telling us, no, God doesn't give us his commandments because he's angry. He gives them to us because he loves us. But the commandments cannot make us righteous. They can only point out that we need to follow the call to leave everything behind it's called repentance and follow those who are bringing us good news. But to tell those people on the shore, don't worry, you'll just have peace where you are. Don't worry, you can just live a little self-indulgent life around a campfire, put up a tent, is not actually helping them. And this is the correction we need in our thinking. 
Because in the past, we preached grace to the lost and law to the church. When in fact, we should be preaching grace to the church and law that will lead people to Christ because they need to be cut to their hearts and know that they are cut off, alienated from the living God who in His goodness has made a way to Himself, but that they are really dead and lost. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Romans 7 verse 10 says, I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Cookie in the cookie jar. Don't eat the cookie in the cookie jar. And little toddler devises the most creative way to get up there. Deceived me. Through the commandment, put me to death. Yes, isn't this a crazy, I think I heard it from John Piper, something, I've got the exact wording, but uh, the very law God gave us to save us, sin was so wicked that it even took that thing and killed us. I mean, mean, how wicked is sin? That it took the very thing that, that God said and used that to kill us. And then people try and put their confidence in the law. And say, well, I don't do this, and I don't smoke, and I don't chew tobacco, and I don't drink, I don't gun. Those are to show you that you need saving. Now, we come on to a very sticky one. Because the same Jesus that said some of these things said some other things. Yeah, but Steve, let's not use the whole H word in church. You know, it's not seeker sensitive. No, it's not seeker sensitive. You're right. In fact, in nine years, the last nine years, we haven't had to speak about it once because we've just been so delightfully preaching grace to the saved. And there's no condemnation for those in Christ now. We don't even have to get to this topic. But if we don't have a clear theology of what's going on out there and the reality of that, then we introduce people to a passive, what's in it for me, self-indulgent, narcissistic, Seeing God as a senile Santa Claus, as Rob so eloquently said. So what does the Bible say about hell? Well, if we're going to believe part of the Bible, we should just believe the whole Bible. And I've studied the different Greek words, and I know some of them talk about um, physical death, physical place of burial. I, I, I get that. I, I get some of the mythology behind Hades I've also looked into that. But Jesus used words that the people understood. And yes, there was Gehenna, a place where they physically took... Yes, yes, I understand it. Jesus is using those words they're familiar with to tell them that there is a consequence for those who've been washed up on the rocks who refuse this gospel. But Steve, how how dare... How can you dare say that a loving God could, could send people... Let people go to hell. If you were at the conference, you would have heard Rob address this so succinctly. That actually, when people say that, they're not asking a question. They're making an accusation. They say, how dare God? Like God is now on the dock, and we've become the jury to judge God. How dare God? It's the clay speaking back to the potter. How dare 
the ant speaking up to the, the guy on the computer and saying, how dare. God's not on the dock and we the jury. There's eternal consequence. It's like me saying to my toddler, if you touch that, you're going to go spend time in the bedroom. And then they touch it. And then I'll say, but I'm just such a loving dad, I could never send you to the bedroom. Now that's a weak example because it's just an example. The fact was that child was going to the bedroom anyway. And God's goodness came in and said, there's a way out. Do you get that? 1 Thessalonians 1. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Church at Highway on the 9th of September. Amen. Now, God is just. And you'll pay back trouble on those who have troubled you. Say, God is my vindicator. And give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen. Now he changes topics. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's got mighty quiet in this grace preaching church. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. Not Howe's words. I didn't write this in Highway to Grace. This is not the elders' doctrine. This is the Bible, the Word of God, the apostles of God. On that day, He comes to be glorified in His holy people and to be marveled at among those who have believed. This includes you, because you believed our testimony to you. Oh, yeah, but what about Jesus? Well, listen to what Jesus says. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, and you are cursed into eternal fire. They're already cursed. They're already going to eternal fire. They rejected this goodness that God provides a way out, but it was originally prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was never God's idea for his creation. They chose it, and now they keep choosing it when they reject this good news. When they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Well, Steve, I don't like this message today. I came to be encouraged. Well, I hope you are encouraged. I hope you're encouraged like I am to get off our blessed assurance and take the Great Commission seriously. To get out of our comfort zone and say, there's really a world that is sitting on the wrong side of history. And we as a church are on the right side of history. And we want to tell them how good God is. We want to tell them how to live without condemnation. We want to tell them there's a guilt-free life that you can live in Christ. When you're looking at His perfect life and not your keeping the law and your mediocre life. There is a hope and there is a future for this world. Come on, that's what these scriptures are there for. Not to be debated. Not for us to set up little, little Bible studies to, to, to judge whether God, what God says is right or wrong. Amen? Let's just judge pass a sentence on someone. You're going to spend the rest of your life in jail because you did it. No, but judge, judge, sorry, sorry, judge. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm, I'm going to be a better person from now on. Don't worry. Calm down, calm down, judge. Sit down. I'm going to go be much better. Those things I did, never again. Just try, trust me, judge. 
And the judge goes, oh, well, yeah, I suppose. What the heck, you know. You see, here's the problem. When someone comes and says, I'm going to pay your fine for that 100000 And you go, wow, that's so sweet of you. What fine? And they disappear. You go, okay, whatever. But when there's a knock at the door and the police are there with a the summons, 10000 or you go to jail for six months, then you're going to be crying out, where's that guy who promised to pay my fine? Problem is, we come to these people washed up on the shore, and we say to them, don't worry, Jesus paid your fine. Oh, okay, that's a sweet of him. Nice. We'll carry on. Our little self-indulgent existence here on the beach. No, no. You come and tell them what the fine is for parking there, illegitimate squatters, and the ferociousness of the wild animals, and the threat of starvation, and the threat of, of, of that you're already dead staying there. But we have paid a fine. We have provided. Do you think you'd get a different response out of that? Just because someone from Australia is living in South, visiting South Africa and they drive a hundred in a 60 zone, when they get pulled off and they get told, sorry, you broken the law. They can't say, well, I'm from Australia and I didn't know, mate. The Bible says the whole world is under the law, not just the Jewish nation. And that's also an area where we have to clarify because there's a lot of that going around. The law only applied to the Jews. That scripture we read earlier says the whole world is under the law. Some know it because they live in South Africa. They knew where the 60-kilometer sign used to be before it got taken to be somebody's shack. I mean, you know, I'm serious. I saw a shack once built out of Peter Maritzburg, 120. Uh, stop, go. It's just hysterical. I took photos of it. And someone coming from Australia who didn't know there was a sign there. We're all under the same law. The whole world is under that law and are under its judgment. And while I'm encouraging you, and I saw the great dead small standing before the throne and books were opened, another book was opened, which was the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the book. I'm glad I put my faith in Jesus Christ. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the death of Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he'd done. I'm glad I accepted God's covenant through Jesus Christ. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. It's not God's will that any should perish. Hell was never created for, crea for, his man for mankind. But I do believe the Bible and I believe the Bible has to be read in context. It ha as we've studied through this last, last topic, we looked at responsibly exegeting Scripture by taking it into its context, examining it against the whole uh, Bible, looking at it, what it meant, to who it was written, when, 
dividing up the different genres. We've done all that. Maybe gone into more detail than we needed to. And even looked into manuscript traditions and all kinds of interesting. Who's been at the Monday nights? You know what I'm talking about. But all that to say this, that God has been presiding over the Scripture for 2,000 years, and it hasn't changed. And I will put my head on a block in believing that if people do not put their faith in Jesus Christ, they are lost for eternity. Where I may differ from even Rob on this one and some others, when they get to heaven, they'll find out I was right, is I believe hell and Hades are cast into the lake of fire. There's a extermination. I don't believe that eternal souls will live side by side with God for all eternity. My conviction, and Michael Eaton shares the same position on that, so I'm in good company. But whether you believe it or not, let's not get to the other side and find out we were wrong because we didn't believe it. I'd rather get to the other side and find I was right if I did believe it. Amen? Not a topic we preach week by week, but a topic we need to pay attention. And in conclusion, to say that we all need humility because you are as lost as the other person. You are as blind as the other person. You walked bound by Satan as the other person in spiritual death. And over these next two Monday nights, we want to unpack a little bit about how to share this in humility, but not water it down, not dumb it down, not neutralize it so much that people are just deceived into misunderstanding. I want to finish up with this. As for you, say that's me, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, of the ruler, of the kingdom, of the air, the spirit is now at work in those who are disobedient. Disobedience being unbelief. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of, wow, the big W word. At highway, we use the word wrath. Can you believe it? I'm going to get so many emails this week, I'm going to be buried till Wednesday. I'm going to get so many resignations. No, I can't cut those words off. And because of His great love for us, God, sorry, carrying on in the same passage, because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man may boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us. Now you can give the Lord a praise. Now you can say thank you Lord. Now we should 
Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have been granted access by faith into this grace through which we now stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And last scripture, I think. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. One last one. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now commands all people everywhere to repent. For He has set a day when He will judge the world with His justice by the man He has appointed. And He has given proof of this to all men by raising Him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. Can you say amen?